Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. If you have a Bible, uh, hopefully you do, go ahead and turn it. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, we're, we're using the CSB, that's the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, if you don't have access to that, you can sure you can pull it up like on a Bible app on your phone, or we do have some uh, hard copies available on the table outside uh, or in the back corner there. But um, there is a, there's a common posture in society where people are pro-spirituality uh, but anti-religious. Uh, now, people that kind of fall under that banner, they'll say things like, man, I want a spiritual connection, I want a spiritual experience, but I'm, but I'm really not into organized religion. And by, by saying that, what they mean is, look, I don't go to like a church or a synagogue or some kind of group like that. I don't practice any regular sort of holy rhythms, but I do want some type of supernatural transcendent experience. But the Bible tells us that true spirituality is not just having these like abstract experiences. It's not just about reaching out to God and, and hoping that we'll, we'll feel, feel something, that we'll get the feels like in, in return. But that true spirituality, the Bible says, is, is actually responding to the living God who is. The one who speaks and who acts and who's, and who's come down for us. It's about knowing a God who, who pursues you and speaks to you in his word and changes your heart and, and impacts the way that you live. And so today we're going to look at in the book of Ephesians, uh, take a little break from our series in Genesis uh, just for this, this one weekend. And we're going to look at, at Ephesians, at a prayer that the Apostle Paul gives for increased spiritual experience for increased spiritual strength and power. And if you're, if you're like me, you understand why we need a prayer like that. You, you might be new to the Christian faith. You might have been be somebody who's been like walking with Christ for decades, but wherever you land on that spectrum, you know that there are times that, that sometimes you just feel beat up spiritually. You feel spiritually weak. Even if you know Jesus and love him and worship him as God, even if you know his word and have studied it, even if you have the spirit of the living God like living and dwelling inside you, you know there are times that you don't always just experience the fullness of that, that you feel far from him. You feel spiritually weak. Uh, is it just me or does anyone else like relate to that? And so... My hope is that the prayer that we'll read today will, will teach all of us, myself included, how to pray when those times fit. So here's just a couple questions I want to leave with you on the front end. How is it that you pray when you feel spiritually weak? 
How is it that you pray when you feel spiritually weak, or how do you pray when you are feeling far away from Jesus? To find the answer, we're going to dive into Ephesians 3, looking at verses 14 through 21. And in this passage, Paul shows us um, how to respond in those seasons in which we feel spiritually weak. So we're going to dig into these verses, and I'm going to give you three main questions that we're going to work our way through. Why do we need this prayer for spiritual strength? What is the spiritual strength for? And then how do we receive it? And so let's look at that first question. Why do we need this spiritual strength? Why do we need this prayer for spiritual strength? Now, first, it's worth noting that this, this book, Ephesians, uh, is, a, is originally a letter to a church called the church in Ephesus. And so that means that what we're reading is a, is a prayer that Paul wrote to a group of Christians in a church. Now, why does that matter? Because if that's true, like we might ask the question, why is Paul praying that they would know the love of Christ? Like, why would he pray that they would have the fullness of God? Like, don't, don't they already have that as Christians? Why is he praying that for his friends to receive what they presumably like already have. And the reason is because it's one thing to, to, to know intellectually about the love of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's something else entirely to experience it. It's one thing to know the love of Jesus in your head, but it's something else entirely to experience it in your heart, in the core of who you are, to have it where it changes the way that you, you think and your affections, the way you feel, your desires, and, and, and all that. And that's what, that's what Paul wants for his audience. That's what he wants for the Christians in Ephesus. And because this is scripture preserved for us, we know because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that this is something that Paul not only wants for them, but that he wants for us today. It's not just something that he wants for them and wants for us today. It's something that God wants for us today. He wants them to not only know the good news of Jesus with their minds, he wants them to experience its power in their hearts. You see, your ultimate problem your ultimate issue is not physical. It's not financial. It's not relational with other people. It's, it's a spiritual problem. And that is why of all the things that he could pray on his knees for, Paul prays for this spiritual strength. The Christians in Ephesus, they were facing all kinds of hard stuff. But this was their biggest need, to experience the love of Christ in the most full of ways. And so some of you guys are, are big on theology here, and, 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 and I love that you're big on theology, right? But some of you are, are big on theology, but you're suspicious of experience. And if you're in that camp, you might be the kind of person where if I surprised you guys with like this pop quiz on theology and doctrine and truth, uh, you would be stoked, right? You would nail that sucker. You would nail it because you like to learn true things about God. You want to defend it. You want to declare it, which is all good and everything. But as important as theology is and as necessary as it is, Jesus still wants more for us than just to know the right things. He wants us to experience the power of the thing, those things too. 
He doesn't want to just, us to just know him. He wants us to experience what it means to be in a relationship with him. He wants you to experience that theology in your head so that it turns into a fire in your bones. And so that's why he, he prays. That's why he says this in verses 14 and 15. Before he, he writes out his prayer, he says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, when he says before this reason, what he's referring to is everything that he had just gone on and talked about. He's referring to everything that he wrote about in Ephesians 1 and in Ephesians 2. Where in those two chapters, if you're familiar with the book of Ephesians, you know in the first two chapters what Paul does is he just expounds upon and starts unpacking just the, the, the excellencies of the gospel in all its beauty, in all its power. He, he goes through the theology of the gospel, just what it means to be foreknown before the foundations of the earth, to be saved for the glory of God's grace. In Ephesians 2, he talks about how we were dead in our sins, but by grace, through faith, we're made alive in Christ through his mercy. And here in Ephesians 3, the next chapter, now that he has already unpacked the content of the gospel, he now wants us to experience the power of it. And this is so important to him that Paul, he gets on his knees to pray this. He says, for this reason, because of all these things, because of how wonderful and amazing the gospel is, I'm going to get on my knees and pray this prayer I'm about to pray for you. Most prayers in the Bible, the person is, who is praying is, is standing. Kneeling is for when it's, when it's time to, to just seriously humble yourself. It's an outward position that should reflect the inward spiritual posture of the heart. And so he says, look, for this reason, I, I'm going to kneel before the Father. And then he says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, he's invoking the fatherliness of God. Now this is, he's saying that I'm praying to the one who's made us. The one who, who made us and who knows us all by name. This is the God who is not un, unacquainted with whatever hard things you might be going through. He's not unacquainted with your capacity. He's not unacquainted with your needs. And he's the God of all generations, under whom every family is, is named. So why is Paul, Paul praying on his knees to God in this way? It's because he's, he's pleading. He wants the spiritual strength for these Christians so desperately. And he wants that for us too. And so we've answered the first question, why do we need this prayer for spiritual strength? The next question we want to answer is, what is this spiritual strength for? What is this spiritual strength for? Now, some Bible scholars have described this prayer uh, as, as sort of like this staircase. They say it's as though each verse and sort of turn of phrase, uh, Paul is climbing uh, step by step, taking us to greater uh, and higher heights, greater and more awesome truths. And I think that's a great picture of this, uh, but to sort of step it up a notch, uh, I think a helpful picture for me is to picture uh, the mountains in, in Brian Head, Utah. Has anyone ever been there? 
Brinehead, Utah. They like if you've never been there, you're not in this like snowboarding or skiing. Like you, you, you might not know that they're they've got this this set of mountains that they call giant steps. And it's called that because as you journey up the lift to the top of the mountain, it's like as uh, soon as you get to the top, you realize like, oh, this is like a false peak. Like you get over the, the top and you realize like, oh, dang, whole nother peak there, right? And then you go up that peak uh, and then you get to over the edge of that and you're like, oh my gosh, there's a whole nother one. And you're like, when is this going to stop? We're getting so high. And it's, they, they, it goes like that, like on and up for like way too long. Uh, and so that's why they call it giant steps. It's like a giant staircase. And this prayer from Paul is like that. It's like giant steps. And in answering the question, what is the spiritual strength for, we're going to spend the next few minutes kind of walking up each of these giant steps. There's four of them. And so here's the first step that we need this prayer for, is because we need it for, our, for strengthening in our inner being. We need it for strength in our inner being. Verse 16, Paul prays. He says, I pray that he... God may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. And so first, I want you to see that God provides this kind of strength out of the riches, he says, of his glory. I want you to think about that. Who is it that Paul is praying to? I mean, we're talking about the God who in Genesis 1 was described as Elohim, the God who makes all things out of nothing. This is the God who created it all, the God who sustains it all, the God who owns it all. He measures the galaxies with the span of his fingers. He holds all creation together with the sheer power of his will. It all belongs to him. It's all under his dominion. And so I don't think it's a stretch to say that this God has no lack of resources. Everything that we could possibly need is found in him. And Paul says, I pray that God, according to the rich of his, of his glory, that you would be strengthened with power. Paul knows what we need from this great God. That's why he, he asked for us to be strengthened with power in your inner being. Only the God of glory can give us that kind of power. He's not talking about physical strength, but he's talking about spiritual strength, strength in our inner person. That's exactly where we need it most. Our inner being is the very core of who you are. It's where your passions live, your desires, your affections. It's where your sense of identity comes from. That place is where we need spiritual strength the most. And so Paul is making an important point here. He is showing us the priority of the inner life over the outward life. He's shown us the priority of the hidden life versus the displayed life. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, this is to, in a letter to a different church, Paul says this. He says, we do not give up even though our outer person is being destroyed. Our inner person or inner being is being renewed day by day. Now, what is he saying? He's saying 
that the outer person is being destroyed. Other translations uh, will say is wasting away or decaying. It's this idea that the older you get, the more wrinkles and gray hairs you're going to find. And look, I might be in a minority in this, but I think that there's a lot of beauty in that. I think there's a lot of beauty in wrinkles and gray hairs, but it, they are telltale signs that our bodies are deteriorating. I turned 40 this year, and I, I know what this feels like, like physically, right? Like a lot of you know, I love pizza. Like I, I love pizza, but, but man, pizza just, it makes me so tired, all right? It now just makes me so tired uh, and gassy, right? Like, my body just doesn't work the way that it used to. Uh, and what spiritual power does, the kind of spiritual strength that Paul is praying for is it, is it gives you strength where you need it the most, in the inner person, in your inner being. Because if you have strength in your inner life, if you have inner peace, then it doesn't matter what your outward circumstances are. But if your outward life looks polished and awesome, but your inner life is a mess, then you'll just go out to the wor- into the world in, in weakness. And that's why we need strength in the inner being. A lot of you might consider this shocking, um, but there are limits to my spiritual strength, or my physical strength, rather. Um, there are limits to my physical strength. And the, uh, the other day, uh, my kids uh, wanted our couch moved. And so they asked me, like, hey, can you, can you move this? And um, my favorite thing is that, like, they thought, like, our, our huge, like, connect, what, connectional couch, is that what they're called, right? Where it's like an L? Like, sectional, thank you. <laughs> I knew it was something like that. <laughs> so um, what I loved is that they thought, like, I could move it all, like, in one, like, in, in, in one go by myself. Um, that's why they asked, right? Uh, but there's a limit to our strength and, and energy. Like, they knew that they couldn't, but they assumed that, that I could. And look, if I wanted to move that couch, um, then I, I know, like, that there, there are guys that, that I, I could call, right? Uh, I'd, call, I'd hit up Devin, um, I'd hit up Matt Bailey, right? I mean, you guys would be like, these guys look like they can move a couch like by themselves, right? And so, um, but if I need to carry something that's beyond the limits of my strength, like I have friends that can help me in that process. If I need financial strength, then I talk to a financial planner. If I need spiritual strength, and I desperately do, where can I go? Where can I go for that? Where else can I go? If you're like me, you need daily strength in your faith. You need daily strength in your joy, in your delight. You need your soul revived and renewed. You need strength in what Paul calls the inner being. And God is the only one who can provide that kind of strength. Now, why do we need strength in our inner being? This is the second step. Remember, it builds on each other. The reason that we, we need strength in our inner being is so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. It's for the indwelling of Jesus in our hearts. We see this in verse 17, when Paul continues and says, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Some translations will will, will say, so that, like in making the point that the one step leads into the other. So you get this spiritual strength so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
Now, this is one of those parts where you might be thinking like, hey, he's writing the Christians. Like, isn't Jesus already doing that? If we're followers of Jesus, isn't he already dwelling in our hearts by faith? Why does Paul pray for this? Isn't Jesus already in our hearts? Well, it's helpful. It's helpful for us to know what Paul means when he uses that word dwell. And in the original Greek language, that word dwell is this strong verb. It means so much more than just to live somewhere. It means to take up residence or to fully occupy. And so when Paul prays that Christ will dwell in our hearts, he's not just praying that Christ would live there and just physically like just be there. He's praying that Christ will take up residence in your heart, that Christ will fully occupy it for his own. Let me help you with this. It's like when we, when we have people over to our homes, we'll say things like, hey, make yourself at home. We don't mean that, right? We don't mean that. We're secretly like, hey, make yourself at home, but don't open that closet, right? Don't, don't, don't go into the garage. Don't go into that one room. Definitely don't go upstairs. Why not? It's because the rest of the house is not as nice as the living room that you put them in. There's mess in all those other places. And look, a lot of us, a lot of us have, have not made Christ a home in our hearts. We've maybe given him a room that we cleaned up. We call it the Sunday church room. He can stay there, but to make himself at home would feel, I don't know, maybe a little intrusive. Jesus wants access to the whole thing. That's where true spiritual power comes from. When you have true spiritual power, when you have strengthening in your inner being, then Christ can more fully occupy and dwell there. And look, this can be a process. Like if you're young or newer in the faith, it's kind of like buying an old home. When you're, when you're buying a home, like the moment you enter this process called escrow, where they're holding on to the funds for you, right, for both parties. Uh, and the moment escrow closes, that home becomes yours. But some renovations might be in order once the home is yours. Like it's transferred now over to you, but you might have some renovations. So you might want some hardwood floors or some granite counters or uh, this sick like fireplace uh, in the living room or fire pit in the back. Um, for us, when we moved into our home about, what, six, seven years ago, we needed new carpet, uh, new paint. Uh, and see, it's because after you move in and assume ownership of a home, like, yes, that home belongs to you. And you can start making those changes but it's a process to make that home more fully yours, your own. And over time, your presence will more and more start to mark that home. Over time, it will start to fit more and more your, your tastes and your personality. It'll be different than, than the day you first took ownership over it. And look, man, when Jesus takes residence in our hearts, when we come to saving faith in Christ, hearts regenerated, made new, born again, our hearts fully belong to him. But our hearts are a mess. But over time, Jesus transforms this residence into a place appropriate for him, 
marked by holiness. His presence begins to transform our hearts more and more till he more fully occupies it and makes us his own. And that's what Paul's praying for here, that Christ will dwell in our hearts by faith, that he will conform our hearts and lives to look over time more and more like his. And when that happens, that leads now to the third step. The third step is this, that we may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That's what we need the spiritual power for. The strength, the spiritual strength is so that we may more and more know the love of Jesus that surpasses knowledge. That's why uh, uh, Christ has to make residence in our hearts. It says, uh, verse 17, uh, let's read that again, and then on to verse 19. He says, so, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, this is more than just a prayer about loving Jesus more. It's about knowing the love of Jesus towards us more. Paul says we are rooted and grounded in love. So it's not that we don't know about his love, but it's that he wants us to be more rooted and grounded in it. He wants us to be more transformed by it. He wants us to be able to more draw from it, rooted and grounded. Did you notice that Paul prays that they will have strength to comprehend the love of Christ, which he says surpasses knowledge. That means he asks for them to gain knowledge of something that cannot be known, to experience something that cannot be known by finite creatures. What Paul prays for is that you would come to know the love of Jesus more fully than you do now, more fully in your inner being. So man, if you're feeling spiritually weak, if you're looking for spiritual power and strength for more of God's work, for more of his power, then what we need is a deeper comprehension of the love of God towards us. What we need is a deeper understanding of it. Think about this. How is it that you would, that you would say, uh, that you would sort of like self-assess your own spiritual strength? Do we, how do we measure it? Do we measure it by our feelings? I think most of us, that's kind of where we go, right? If we're feeling the feels and it's like, hey, I must be spiritually strong right now. Should we measure it by our feelings? Or maybe do you, per, do you measure it by your ministry performance, by your output? Or by how tight your relationships are? But how does God actually strengthen us according to this passage? How does he measure our strength? When assessing our spiritual strength, the question to ask is, is there a deeper understanding and comprehension of Jesus' love? Is there a deeper comprehension of God's love for me in Christ? That though I'm a sinner, I'm saved in Christ. 
Paul says that strength comes from being rooted and grounded in love. He's speaking about the love of Christ. You see, truth by itself is not enough. This prayer is about knowing the gospel, but then growing in our grasp of it. To where it starts to just, just get, get into like our, our, our hearts, fully occupy our hearts. And when that happens, Jesus becomes more real to you than you ever thought possible. He becomes more real to you than your spouse or significant other. He becomes more real to you than your best friends. More real to you and more important to you than even your children. More real to you than your worst enemies. His love and acceptance becomes more valuable to you than any other person on the face of the planet. It means that your position and your status as a child of the living God, as somebody who is found and adopted in Jesus Christ, that that identity, that status becomes more important to you than your financial status, your social status, how popular you are, how appreciated you are, your position at work or in your family, amongst your friends, in the church, all of those things become less important to you and you're less anxious and less insecure about them because they don't control you anymore. They don't control you anymore because you know that they don't own you. They don't have a claim on your heart. Jesus does. And so you don't care about losing any of those things out there because you're experiencing the good news of Jesus Christ in here, in your inner being, your inner person. Which leads us into our last and final step. We need this prayer so we can be filled with the fullness of God. We need it to be filled with the fullness of God. That's why we need to know the love of Jesus more. Verse 19 says, uh, uh, Paul prays that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And that sounds redundant, doesn't it? What does he mean? What is all the fullness of God? Let me illustrate. Imagine that you're 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 at uh, that you're at the beach, right? And you've you've got this sort of little little teaspoon, right? You've got a teaspoon and you fill it with ocean water, uh, just up to the the very brim of the top of that that teaspoon. Uh, it's not much, right? But it's still still got ocean water in there. You still got some Pacific Ocean in that teaspoon, right? Then you set that aside. Next thing you grab is a little small pail, right? A little pail or bucket. And you fill that up with ocean water, right? So you've got more Pacific Ocean in this bucket situation. And then you set that aside. And then imagine you, you go on to the next container, which is, which is a barrel. And you fill that up with ocean water. And then you go to your fourth container. And it's like this, this full-sized cask. And all these containers have... Pacific Ocean in them, right? They all have Pacific Ocean in them, but they don't have it to the same degree, do they? Now, why is that? The answer's pretty simple and straightforward, right? It's because they all have different capacities. The cask can hold a lot more than the little teaspoon. 
And so look, Paul's prayer is for spiritual strength in our inner being that will lead us to the dwelling of Christ in our hearts that leads to knowing the love of God in Christ more deeper, having a better comprehension of it, so that we'll have a greater appreciation and understanding and experience of the fullness of God. That's what it means to be filled with the fullness of God. You see, he doesn't want you to experience the fullness of God in a teaspoon-sized container. He wants you to be filled with the fullness of God, with all the fullness of God, he says. I want you to be filled with all, the word all, the fullness of God. That's when the beauty of the gospel begins to expand your capacity to know and understand God and relate to him. It's when the beauty of the gospel infiltrates every fiber of your being. It's when your relationship with God leads to wholeness in life in the fullest sense of that word. If you come to Sunday gatherings here and Sunday services here week in and week out to hear uh, preaching and then you just go out into your life just as insecure, just as anxious and needy, just as angry and cynical, then you aren't living in the fullness of God. Man, Paul wants that for you. Man, I want that for you. God wants that for us. The love of Jesus is meant to renew your minds, your desires, your affections, to change every part of your life. It might not happen right away, it might not be right away, but over time, you will grow to be filled with all the fullness of God. Look, I know that many of us in this room, you chose this church because of its commitment to the historic truths of of the church. Uh, And you say, like, yes, that's me, right? Like, I care about truth. Man, I want... I want you to hear me when, when I say it, it, it is, that is so important, but it's so much more than that. It's about that seed of truth planting itself in the soil of your heart and the supernatural work of God, feeding it and nourishing it by the Spirit of God, so that you miraculously bear fruit in a way that makes God look awesome. Our lives should be about more than just declaring the gospel of Jesus, but it's also about delighting in that gospel in our inner being and displaying it through the fullness of life. And so we should be praying for this kind of spiritual strength and power. We should be praying prayers like, God, help me to see more of your power. Help me to see more of it. I want to see more of what you've done and what you've accomplished. Strengthen me with the wisdom of your word and the knowledge of your work in the world. Give me a greater comprehension of of your love towards undeserving sinners like me. We need a deeper knowledge of our brokenness and our sin. We need a deeper knowledge of the amazingness of his grace. Don't let the gospel of Jesus Christ grow so familiar 
with you, that it no longer woos you, that no longer charms you and melts your heart. See, that's what you need when you're feeling spiritually weak. Man, that's what I need when I'm feeling spiritually weak, to be rooted in the gospel, to be grounded in the love of Christ. It doesn't matter if you're gaining the approval of those around you or if you're losing it. What matters most is that God loves you in spite of you, and he's proven that through his son on the cross. Let that be our goal. Let that be our goal, to be rooted in the rich soil of the gospel of God's love. Lastly, how do we receive spiritual strength? How do we receive spiritual strength? I'll get through these quickly, and then we'll close. We pray for it. We pray for it. Remember, Paul was on his knees praying. When someone is on their knees praying, that tells us that this is a fervent prayer. This is a pleading prayer. It's coming from the depths of his heart. And so again, we should notice that what Paul offers them is not a list of do's and do nots. What he offers them is a prayer. Why? Because he knows that this can only happen as a gift from God. You can't just pull a lever or flex your spiritual muscles. It's a gift, and so you got to pray for it. you got to seek after it. you got to ask for it. you got to plead for it. And it must be given from the one who has the power to give. A fun little exercise for you might be to actually, like, skim through the New Testament and take note of every point that either Jesus or Paul or, or one of the writers is praying. And you'll notice that the things that they pray for are not the things that we usually pray for. What they pray for is spiritual strength. What they pray for is deeper comprehension. What they pray for is a closer relationship with God. This is a quick note for those of you that, um, like some of you might be discouraged uh, with a a sermon like this because you're thinking like, man, like I, 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 I feel like I want this, this all sounds good, but, I, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't have this. I haven't felt spiritually strong in a long time. And if that's you and you're feeling discouraged by that, let me just say to you, that's a good sign that you're even having that thought. That's a mark of God's grace that your thinking would even go there because it shows that the spirit is at work in you, stirring your affections in your inner person stirring up and reviving your desires in your inner being. Otherwise, you wouldn't care. If you were really that far, then you just wouldn't care. And so take heart in knowing that this is something that you yearn for and desire. But also, we receive spiritual strength by plugging into community. You'll notice that Paul says, I want you to have the power and the capacity to comprehend, he says, with all the saints. With all the saints means not by yourself. With other Christians, 
chances are that you know what it's like to talk about your Christian life with other Christians, to talk about a passage of scripture together and you're able to dig these little nuggets of truth out together that you would have never gotten uh, if you were just studying by yourself. Or maybe you've had friends pray for you during a hard time, uh, friends that could love you and encourage you with the truth of the gospel and you've experienced the benefits of community in that sense. Paul knows that this kind of spiritual strength doesn't come out when you're unconnected from a local church and when you're unconnected from the historic church. And so lean in to the saints, those who are Christians around you. And lastly, we receive this spiritual strength by rehearsing and remembering the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is, is the linchpin in this passage. It's the one holding the whole path, it's, it's what's holding the whole passage together. It shows up when Paul talks about the love of Jesus, that he wants us to understand its heights and depth and width and length. What is the love of Jesus? It's the good news of his life, his ministry his atoning death, how the great king left his throne in heaven for us. He came down to a manger for us. He lived for us. He obeyed for us. He died for us. And he rose from the grave to triumph over evil, sin, and death for us. To be rooted and grounded in love is to have a deep understanding of all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. So rehearse the gospel. You, you might be sitting here thinking, yeah, like I know the gospel already, right? I've got that all figured out. I know that gospel stuff. I I, I was this made, I was talking about this with some friends uh, earlier this week, and it reminded me of there's this uh, um, there's this there's this episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David's character he like walks into his friends uh, Jeff and Susie's uh, new home, uh, and and he's greeted at the door, uh, and and he's like oh like oh, you guys have moved in like this is great and everything, and he's talking to his buddy Jeff, and then Susie comes down the stairs and she's like oh Larry. Like, have you, how do you like the house? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's great. She's like, come on, let me give you the tour. And he's like, no, like, I'm, I'm good, right? And she's like, no, come on, like, you got to see it. I'm good. He's like, no, I'm good. He's like, I get it, right? And he's like, there's rooms, bathrooms, bedrooms. He's like, I get it. And she's like, doesn't know what to do with that, right? Like, who says no to the tour, right? And so she's like, how dare you get out of my house? And she's like cussing him out. And it's like this hilarious little little bit. Um, and and, and I, 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 it just made me think about, like, I think a lot of us, when it comes to the gospel, <laughs> are like Larry David's character. We're like Larry David. We, we're like, yeah, gospel, I get it. I get it. I know that gospel stuff. I, I understand. I, I, yeah, Jesus lived, died, rose from me. I, yeah, I, I get it. But it's like, do we really get it? How Do we really understand the fullness of what it means to be loved by God in Christ? You see, that's not what Paul assumes. Remember, he's addressing the church in Ephesus, this is a church that he planted, a church that he loves, people that he is well invested in, people that he has uh, trained and discipled and taught. And he talks to them 
about how he wants him to have an even deeper comprehension of the things of God. Not this sort of first level, hey, do you know what the gospel is, but this deepening knowledge. He says, I want you to know the height and the length and the breadth and the depth. In other words, I want you to see how unendingly massive and wonderful and beautiful this thing is. So return to it. Remember it. Rehearse it. Now, how do we know that God will be faithful to do so when we pray these prayers to him? Because of how Paul closes in the last two verses. He ends with a doxology. A doxology is when the writer in Scripture is just bursting forth in praise. And so after praying this prayer for his friends, it's like Paul can't even contain himself. And he says, now to him who's able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul caps his prayer by breaking out in worship, worship of the one who has the power to answer this prayer. And so look, when we doubt God's ability to do far more abundantly than we all ask or think, it's because we underestimate his power at work in us. The love of Jesus is given to us as a gift, not just for our good, not just for our joy. While it will certainly yield those things, it's also for God's glory. It's for his glory in the church throughout every generation. And so let's pray for that. Let's ask for that. Let's pray that in our lives, we not only declare the good news of Jesus, but we delight in it and display it in our lives throughout every generation. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. We'd like to encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. If you're ever in the Orange County, California area, we'd love it if you'd come by and visit on a Sunday morning. For meeting times and locations or any other information about us, please visit kx.church. There's no .com in that, just kx.church. Thanks again for listening.